everyone, and welcome to the Urban Book Circle show. I'm George Wojcic, and my guest today is John Molinaro, a well-known name in the world of Canadian sports journalism with over two decades of experience. He's joining me today to talk about his uh, new website called TFC Republic, and he'll be joining me soon. Hi, Mr. Molinaro, welcome. Hey, George, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate your time. Uh, no problem. So about uh, over a month ago, you started a new website called TFC Republic. And um, I was very uh, intrigued by this. And I wanted to ask a lot about your new project and how it's going so far. So far, it's going really well. Uh, you know, it's about um, just short of two months in and I've been um, you know, pleasantly surprised by the response. Um, you know, going into it, I wasn't sure how people would feel about um, another sort of paywall website because there's just so much content out there and so much choice um, that I wasn't quite sure how people would feel about having to pony up money for another one. But um, I've been humbled by the response. It's been really heartwarming and it's, it's sort of exceeded my expectations so far. So uh, on that response, on that score, it's been it's been really uh, uh, it's been surprising, but in a positive way. People seem to be really receptive to it, and it seems like there's still um, a sort of thirst for this. I want to call it proper journalism, like uh, not just long form journalism, but uh, short form as well. Do you find that people are receptive to this as well? I think so. I mean, I think it's. I think they're probably more interested and more and more interested and receptive of the long form stuff. Uh, I mean, the short form stuff. There's, I think there's just so many sort of already outlets where people can get that. But if you can sort of offer something different that isn't easily accessible in other parts of the media, then people are. It seems like they're willing to pay for that, and that's what they respond most to. And I think that's kind of what I built TFC Republic around is trying to do more long form stuff as opposed to the day to day beat reporting um, where people can find in other places. And I mean, as I said, so far the responses have been pretty positive, whether it's, you know, I sat down with Tim Bezbachenko last week and talked to him about his time in charge of TFC and about, you know, the controversy over the Columbus crew rebrand, or if it's, you know, my take on, you know, you know, the CPL and, and what's going on there and them trying to launch, you know, a new second season under a bubble, or if it's, you know, a story like Atiba Hutchinson, who at, you know, 38 is still sort of going strong for Besiktas in Turkey and for the Canadian national team. Um, I think these are sort of different stories that you won't necessarily find uh, every day in the, in the major media outlets. And that's kind of sort of the, um, the gap in the coverage that I'm trying to provide. How fulfilling has it uh, been for you so far? Because you did leave your job with uh, the Canadian Premier League, which was, uh, I would say, a, a bold move. And um, so far, I mean, uh, there is, I noticed there's a small subscription fee, but it's not anything substantial. And I, I found that people are actually willing to pay the subscription fee for the proper news. Would you say it's too early to tell or has it been, um, like, have you made the good move? Oh, I feel very good about the move. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't feel bad about my time at the CPL, but I think it was just time to move on. Uh, I got the most out of the experience. And, 
you know, I'm loving being my own boss and having to do whatever I want to do and work on my time schedule and don't have to answer to anybody and write the stories and, and sort of pursue the stories that, that I want without having to get approval or anything like that. So it's, for me, it's been, um, it's, it's been very enjoyable. I've, I've really enjoyed the experience. And, uh, as I said, the, the response from people who have, you know, ponied up, uh, you know, the subscription, uh, for it has been, uh, has really blown me away. So overall, it's been a very, uh, a very positive experience. Is it, is it a passion project? Is, uh, because I find out of all your writing, Toronto FC is, it seems what you're most passionate about. I don't know if you would agree. I think so. I mean, I think it's a, it's a passion project. I mean, um, you know, I was, before I went to the CPL in 2019, I was, uh, you know, a Toronto FC beat reporter since, since day one. Um, so it was really a big part of my life and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, all those years, did you have asked me, you know, if I wanted to, if I would rather write about the Leafs or the Raptors or the Blue Jays, uh, you know, there's no way I would have made that trade. I really, I'm not a TFC fan, but I am a fan of covering the team. It's, it was, it's been such a great enjoyable experience and you know when i was at the cpl obviously i didn't have the chance to to do that because my attention was focused elsewhere and so i really missed it and i think that was one of the big reasons why i left the cpl too is because i wanted to get back to what i was really passionate about and what i really enjoyed doing that's covering tfc and you know a multitude of ways so um you know this project tfc republic.ca is very much uh you know a passion project when uh when did this first, like, when did this passion first arise? When did you start writing, and uh, was it always about soccer? Uh, no, it wasn't always about soccer. I mean, um, it was probably in, in, I would say, you know, in, in grade school and, and then into high school when I really got into writing. Um, I guess because my aunt was an investigative journalist with the Hamilton Spectator newspaper, and that sort of really, she was someone who I, I always had great admiration for. And so that sort of really piqued my interest. And then through, uh, you know, grade school and high school, I just was always kind of writing. And it was always on, it was nothing for anything official. It was always just on my own sort of, you know, newsletters or, or publications that I always sort of did on my own. Um, and that just sort of grew through, you know, university and then into journalism school after that. And then been writing pretty much about soccer for, you know, over 20, over 20 years. And it's just, you know, something that's... Uh, been a major part of my life and uh you know i really enjoy it obviously um i also uh have a bit of a journalistic background myself uh i love writing and um would you say that journalism is still alive and well i know i've talked to many people about this some people will say it is and some people say you know technology is where it's at what what is your opinion on this matter is is there always a, a space open for good journalism Oh, I th yeah, absolutely. I think there always will be. I mean, I don't think there's any question that, you know, the industry has taken a bit of a battering the last couple of years because, you know, we're now living in this era of, you know, 280 characters on Twitter and, and you know, Instagram posts and the instantaneousness of, of, of you know, news transmission. So, but I, I do think that, you know, journalism, especially quality journalism, long-form journalism, will never go out of style. It'll always be valued. It'll always be at a premium. Um, well, well, I was going to ask a, maybe a personal question. 
what's your favorite team? You said, uh, I noticed earlier in the conversation, you said you're not a TFC supporter necessarily. Do you have a favorite team that you support? Juventus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been a Juventus fan since I, I've been a Juventus fan since I was a young boy. So uh, it's everyone in my family is uh, Juventus fans, even though you know my family is from southern Italy, and obviously Juventus plays in Turin, which is in the north of the country. It's just always been the the, the club I supported, and there was never any sort of choice as to who I I was going to support because my dad is a diehard Juventus fan as well. Oh, that's cool. Did you uh, watch yesterday's Champions League final? I didn't because TFC was playing at the same time. So I was uh, sort of watching and writing about that game. Um, so it was probably like the first uh, Champions League final I hadn't watched live in a, in a long time. I've got a PBR, so I'm finally going to get to it tonight. But uh, yeah, it was kind of weird missing that one. What's uh, How do you feel about the World Cup coming to Canada? Very excited. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the greatest show in, on, in, in the world coming to Canada, even if it's only for whatever it is, eight or ten games, the fact that, you know, Canada is holding, you know, the, the largest and most popular sporting spectacle on the planet, um, you know, is a pretty big deal. And, you know, my hope is that it will be a real boon for the game uh, in this country. Um, you know, I think back to the 1994 World Cup in the United States and how American soccer just really exploded after that. It really sort of blossomed what with, you know, the launch of Major League Soccer and you know, now it's like a big deal in the States. I'm hoping that, you know, the 2026 World Cup in, in Canada will have a similar effect here in, in, on Canadian soil. Um, your website, TFC Republic, uh, it doesn't cover only Toronto FC. It covers basically all things uh, Canadian national team, all levels. Um, I was going to ask, how important is it for uh, us to have a strong Canadian national team that we can cheer for one day at the World Cup? I mean, everyone loves cheering for their countries that they descend from, but at the same time, we would love to have Canada there and to cheer for Canada. How, how important is that? Well, I think it's it's quite important. I mean, you, you know, I think the hope is that Canada shows up at the 26th World Cup and, and is competitive, not just as spectators who go home after three games. I mean, that they can actually do well in the group stage and advance out of the group. Um, you know, that's why I think the 2022 World Cup in Qatar is so important. If Canada can qualify for that and really sort of build on the momentum and really, you know, get the most out of what I would say is probably the most talented core of Canadian players in a long time. When you think about, you know, guys the caliber of Alfonso Davies and, and Jonathan David and Kyle Lahren and Atiba Hutchison, guys who are playing at, you know, top level in Euro European club level, um, these are really unprecedented times for Canadian soccer in that regard. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether John Herdman can sort of put these, put all these Canadian talents together and, and, and sort of have them gel into one cohesive unit and, you know, qualify for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar because I think that would really be a really boon for the national team program. Do you think he'll be able to? Um. It's a good question. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, I think, again, he certainly has, you know, the talent there. Maybe not so much at the back, which I, I think defensively, especially in the center of defense, is is a bit of an issue. But, when again, when you look at players the caliber of Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David, they're playing at top European clubs. And, you know, they're major contributors for their side. And so you combine that with all the MLS talent 
guys like Mark Anthony Kay and Samuel Piatt and and Jonathan Nassario. Uh, it's a it's a talented and a deep squad, but you know the, the team it, it certainly has shown sort of moments uh, under John Herdman. But other than the two nothing win against the United States in the Nations League in 2019, it hasn't beaten uh, you know uh, you know what I would consider a top sort of heavyweight in Concacaf. Um, all of its wins are against lower rated teams, against minnows. Uh, you know, teams like the Cayman Islands and Cuba and and uh, and and Dominica. Uh, it has to really sort of beat the top sort of sides in CONCACAF and on a regular basis. Uh, you know, teams like Mexico, the United States, Honduras, Costa Rica. To say nothing of the fact that, you know, they haven't shown that they can go down to Central America and Mexico and, and very difficult places to get results in World Cup qualifying matches and and compete at a consistent level. That, for me, is going to be the test. I mean, if they can get to this final round of CONCACAF qualifying and, you know, go down where, where it's going to have to play, you know, teams the caliber of Mexico and Honduras and Costa Rica and go to those countries and get results, then, you know, then I think there's a chance that they can qualify for 2022. But, you know, we haven't seen that thus far. Um, you know, they haven't really sort of played many of the, of the, the top teams in the region. So, for me, that's going to be the litmus test. And, you know, I, you know, the result so far has been positive under John Herdman, but again, they've been under, you know, lesser ranked teams and not what I would consider, you know, the top tier side. So, you know, I think the, the jury is still out on the team. When it comes to Canadian soccer coverage, do you think that, um, you know, uh, websites and media institutions such as TSN and Sportsnet, their coverage is reducing and it's not like um, as frequent as it used to be? Where it's becoming like Canadian soccer is becoming almost like a niche thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they're they're becoming more focused on sort of the broadcast properties that they have. So that's why you see TSN go, you know, crazy with their coverage of the CFL and Sportsnet go crazy with the coverage of the Blue Jays. And you know, if it's not their property, then they're they're definitely less interested in that. And I think, you know, there was a time when both networks carried you know you know Canadian soccer games, and and now that's not the case. And you've seen their coverage lessen. I think it will pick up again, you know, closer to 2026 in the World Cup because, you know, it's just the World Cup and it's the biggest sporting event on the planet and they'd be, you know, foolish not to sort of increase their coverage. But I think it's a sad comment that that's what it takes for them to regularly cover Canadian soccer. Uh, in the meantime, I suspect that, you know, their, their, their coverage of the men's and women's teams is going to be very hit and miss. Is it because of streaming, uh, streaming sites and uh, new companies that are coming out like the Zone and One Soccer, that's kind of eating into their viewership? Do you think so? Well, maybe, but I mean, if Sportsnet and TSN really wanted those properties, they could have went after them. They could have, uh, you know, outbidded the Zone and, and One Soccer, and they didn't. I mean, again, the issue is that there's a fundamental sort of problem, as I see it, with TSN and Sportsnet, in, in, in that. They mainly focus on properties that they have. Again, if it's not something that they show on their airwaves, they're not particular. They don't go out of their way uh, to to sort of give that sort of property coverage, and that's why you see that they won't really sort of give a lot of love to the Canadian men's and women's team because they're not airing those games. If they were, then I think you'd see a lot uh, a lot more coverage. So it's a fundamental problem that I see within the you know the Canadian broadcast landscape. When it uh, comes to writing, what would you tell an up-and-coming uh, writer 
who's considering entering the business in today's day and age? Uh, that it's a hard slog, that it's a lot of hard work, and that as glamorous as it might seem, uh, there's a lot of, as I said, hard work and sacrifices behind the scenes that you have to make. So, um, you know, I'm not discouraging anyone from, from getting into the business. It's, it's, it's a great business and it's been very, you know, good to me over the last, whatever it is, 22 years. Um, but go into it with eyes wide open. Don't think that it's, you know, just all glory and, you know, talking to athletes and going to games and isn't all this great. There's a lot of hard work involved, uh, in it. So, you know, unless you're prepared to sort of roll up your sleeves and really put your nose to the grindstone and do the work, then, um, you know, I would suggest that this business isn't for you. What was it like uh, when you first entered the business? Could you say, like, you know, to your editor or editor-in-chief, like, look, I want to do sports? Or did you really have to do anything they tell you to do when you were brand new? No, I pretty much had to do whatever I was told to do. I mean, I think, you know, I was given an opportunity to do some sports early on because I knew that's where my interest was. But, you know, as someone who was just starting out, I just had to sort of, you know, take whatever they threw at me. And that's, that's I think, just the way it is with most people starting out in the business. But if you can sort of work your way through that and then get through it and just show them that you can do things and that they can trust you, then you know, other assignments will come and, and they'll start letting you do more and more of what you really like to do. And that's, that's kind of how it happened with me. Um, you mentioned uh, Twitter earlier. Has something like Twitter, I believe you have over 12,000 followers there. Has something like Twitter made your job easier or not so much? When it comes uh, to reporting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's a tough question. I don't know. Um, I mean, I suppose in some sense it's made it easier in that um, I like the intimacy of it and the connection. I mean, it makes sort of readers and people more accessible to, to reporters because I think there was always that sort of distance between, you know, a journalist and his readers and there was, a, you know, a great sense of detachment, which I never cared for. I think that gap is now closed with, you know, with Twitter and other social media accounts. Um, at the same time, it, it allows anyone, you know, to post anything they want. And, you know, they're not always so sort of thorough or scrupulous in, in, in posting news. And they can sort of post any sort of rumor that they want. And it has, you know, pertaining to Canadian soccer, it has an effect on me because then I have to sort of, if I see something on, on Twitter and it's becoming a hot rumor and everyone's talking about it, then I have to, you know, chase it down and find if, if there's any validity to it. And oftentimes there's not. So, I mean, it's, I guess it adversely affects me that way. Um, with, uh, you've been with Toronto FC since day one, really. How, um, how important is it for, I was going to say, uh, back, you know, back when Toronto FC first started, back in like the Danny Dicchio days, um, how important is it for fans to remain connected to the team? Because, over the years, the supporters have been there, but uh, the coverage, not so much. Do you think that your website will help with this? You mentioned, uh, you know, that feeling of intimacy with the club. Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope uh, who people will feel connected to the team. Uh, I think it's getting harder and harder to, to make those connections just 
in the world that we live in at the moment with COVID and the team is down in Florida and that they haven't played a home game since since last March and they're not based in Toronto. So I think that's sort of make it diff- made it difficult to connections. And as we sort of talked about before, there's you know less and less coverage of TFC just in the mainstream media, which you know is a shame. But uh, you know that's another reason why it's uh, making it less and less um, easy for easier for readers to and fans to connect with the team. So um, you know hopefully uh, TFC Republic will you know fill that gap in a sense. Um, are so far, I, th- I believe you're the only uh, writer for the website. Will you be accepting contributors in the future? It's something I've kind of thought about. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we're only like about, you know, a little less than two months into the project. So maybe after a year, you know, maybe. But right now I'm just kind of focused on sort of maintaining the site and doing my own thing and, and trying to create as much, uh, you know, quality content as I can. Does uh, the website get media accreditations for games, Toronto FC matches? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously I'm not in Orlando. I'm in Toronto. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, I mean, you know, I, I always have, I've always had a good relationship with Toronto FC. And they've, you know, they're the, I'm, I'm still on all the sort of, all the conference calls with the coach and the players. And the same thing with the Canadian, with the Canada soccer with regards to the national teams, both the men and women. They're, they're still accrediting me and everything. So, the that relation, those relationships has, hasn't changed one bit. Okay, well, uh, to cap off, I guess I'll ask, where do you see TFC Republic, and I guess I can say TFC and Canadian soccer in general, in uh, five years from now? Uh, well, with TFC Republic, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, well, we'll you know, I, 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 it's, it's cliche to say, but I, I just take it one day at a time, and, you know, if if I can keep doing this, um, if it's feasible and I can still do this in a year's time, then I'll be happy. So five years, I don't, I can't even think about it. Um, you know, where will, you know, the Canadian game be in five years and where will TFC be? I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, in, you know, hopefully they'll sort of hold down prominent places in the Canadian sporting landscape. I think with, uh, you know, the World Cup coming to this country, I think these are exciting times for, you know, the men's national team. I'm really excited to see what the women do this summer in Tokyo and, you know, post-tournament how Bev Priestman will lead the team and, and what the future holds for that side. And I think, you know, TFC, if anything, is if they've shown anything the last couple of years, it's that they want to remain relevant and they're not afraid to, you know, spend money and use their vast resources to, to you know, make it, make it a competitive team. And I think that's, you know, I see no reason why that they're going to let up on that. I think they'll continue to be among the, you know, the top spenders in the league and they'll continue to be, uh, you know, a major force in, in, in Major League Soccer. Okay, well, thank you, Mr. Molinaro, for taking the time. I appreciate it. You're welcome, George, anytime. And let's hope that one day we can cheer for Canada at not only World Cup 2026, hopefully, but may it become a frequent thing and not just a one-off. I hope so. That'd be nice. Thank you so much. And also, may your website reach as many viewers as it can. Thanks. I appreciate that. Thanks. Have a good day. You too.